Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and we have an outstanding show sarah dwyer schick who heads up the sports bra project you can learn more at the sports project.org she kicks off the show with everything you need to know and how you can help. After her, I'm so pleased to be joined by Sky and Silves, the founders of the Shea Butter FC podcast. You can find out more on Instagram and X by using Shea, S-H-E-A, Butter, the word Butter, FC. Sky and Silves basically said out loud, if you can see it, you can be it, and they're breaking down barriers, talking directly to the black soccer fan, black soccer player, black soccer leaders, which of course uh, we're all about at United Soccer Coaches, Sky and Silves from Shea Butter FC podcast are on the show. Then we hit the training ground with Tree Beckman, who's got a hot take about how instant feedback from your players using a survey is not always a great thing. Tree brings light to that topic. And we end with our third consecutive week with great leaders of the USL, including Liam O'Connell, their technical director. Sarah Dwyer Schick, Sky and Sills from Shea Butter FC, Tree Beckman, and Liam O'Connell. That's our show, and it starts after this message from League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to Podcast Row as part of the 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim, where we're meeting great people, special people, doing great things. That includes my guest now, Sarah Dwyer Schick, who heads up the Sports <laughs> Bra Project. You can get her at Sarah at the Sports Bra Project.org. Join a global community supporting girls and women in sports. When you host a sports bra collection, you support athletes in areas where opportunities are limited. Provide leadership opportunities for members of your team or organization. Engage with your local community and normalize experiences and needs of female athletes. We'll get into that and so much more. Sarah, great to see you again. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to see you again. And thanks for being patient as Brad Frito kind of stepped up. We both kind of had that <laughs> same mentality. Oh, it's Brad Frito. It's Brad Frito. But you've got the floor. Tell people why they need to know about the Sports Bra Project. I think the main thing is we have so many more girls and women playing sports now, which is awesome. I'm like jealous of all the younger girls that I see play. I wish I had those opportunities. But we also still see that there's a gap and there's areas where they don't have access to sports or it's not culturally acceptable or financially they may not have the resources as we're moving more to pay to play models in all sports. And then also logistics. Uh, sometimes we don't think about that. Amazon will deliver pretty much anywhere in the U.S. But if you're in a rural African country and other places, Amazon just simply doesn't deliver and there's no target down the road. So we look at cultural, logistic, and economic barriers, and we provide new sports bras to organizations working in areas where using sport for social change or addressing an issue in their community. And we don't change their work. We don't come in and do it for them. They know their community far better than we could, but we provide sports bras. Um, and those bras come, most of them come from teams and young athletes who want to support other athletes. So they write a little note on the tag that we have, and this might be from, we have um, VSA Rush is doing a, kicking off a drive next week, so they'll write on the back who their bra comes from. So there's that personal connection, and it's a way for athletes to support other athletes and also normalize um, the experiences that girls and women have. If you're a 
young athlete on the field and all you have is male coaches, who are you going to talk to about a properly fitting sports bra? Well, I think the guy, I'm not sure who's going to be more uncomfortable, the 14-year-old girl or the, you know, male soccer coach on that conversation. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think one of the things that uh, is important to people to understand is I think a lot of times people think that they use sports mm -hmm. bras, but these are brand new sports bras, which is important. Mm -hmm. It's important. Um, we think it's a piece of equipment and it has a life cycle. Uh, your sports bra isn't going to last forever. So we want to make sure that when we're giving an athlete a piece of equipment, it's something that they can be comfortable in, something they can be proud of, they can feel good wearing, and it's theirs. Um, we don't share underwear so it's kind of we don't want to give someone a used bra that has no use or no life left in it um, and that personal connection you know we there's uh, not a one-size-fits-all with a sports bra so it's really giving them a choice of when we give to the organizations it's up to them to for the athlete to find the right fit that works for them let's sell now and let's sell later and what i mean by that is if people are hearing this right now and yep. they want to know about the sports bra project <laughs> and they want to buy some bras and get them to you yep. how do they do that where do they go what happens well we have a website um we're on instagram that's probably the most up to date if you can follow us on instagram we are a 501c3 nonprofit, so any donations are tax deductible if you want to make a monetary donation you can do that through our website if you want to send sports bras or host a drive. Uh, we do have a mailing address for that. Um, I can either give it to you now. Go ahead, yeah. The mailing address is 369 Main Street, number 1082, Beacon, New York, 12508. That's our mailing address. Our website is thesportsbraproject.org. You can email me directly at sarah at thesportsbraproject.org or you can do info at thesportsbraproject.org if you're interested in hosting a drive. Um, just reach out. We have lots of different drives. They all look different. And if you're an organization that has a need for bras, we also have an application process for that. It's on our website. There's a simple form to fill out. And the Instagram is? At the sports bra project. Dot org. Okay. We try to keep it as simple as possible because otherwise I get confused. Um, so we love teams to host drives. Uh, they all look different. Uh, National Girls and Women's Day in Sport is coming up in February, and that's a perfect time. You can launch a drive around that. We have some schools doing that and some clubs doing that. Um, and we, we welcome involvement from as small as, you know, an individual sending one bra to larger drives um, where you involve a whole university or a whole club. We're here with Sarah Dwyer. Schick, who leads the Sports Bra Project, which increases access to sports and aims to normalize the needs and experiences of female athletes at all levels of play and in all areas of sports. A global community of individuals and organizations makes our work possible. Sarah, before we say goodbye, uh, give me the one-minute elevator <laughs> speech on who you are and how you found yourself to lead this uh, very important project, the Sports Bra Project. I'm a Title IX baby, so I grew up with more opportunities than my mom had, and I love seeing now the younger girls having more opportunities than I had. Um, we want to make sure that that trend continues. Now we see so many more girls playing multiple sports, but we're seeing less in leadership roles, and that's the next step. Now that girls are playing, we want to see them make that transition, and we want to make sure sports are accessible, whether you're an elite athlete or a recreational player. Being physically active is important, and we want to ensure that girls, wherever they are in the U.S. and abroad, they have access to whatever sport they're interested in. 65% um, of our bras at minimum stay within the U.S. Boom, drop the mic. Always enjoy spending time with Sarah Dwyer Schick. You can check her out again at the sportsbraproject.org. Doing great things, Sarah. Always great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having us. Happy to be bumped by Brad for that. That's, uh... <laughs> and we'll be back with the founders, producers, hosts, superstars of Shade Butter FC podcasts. That after this message. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players, but how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to Podcast Row Evergreen Materials, part of the 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim. And one of the great things is that I also get to talk to big-time celebrities that are already running their own right. podcasts, oh and that includes Shea Butter FC, where Sky and Silves 
are rocking it. I think they're going to be at the Black Soccer Coaches Legends event as well, which I'm looking forward to. But Sky and Silves, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Hey, thank you for having yeah, us. Thank you for having you, us. You're for doing sure. awesome work, so we're glad to be here. Well, you guys are doing awesome work, and I want to know, like, how? Like, when when did you guys start? What was the impetus? And when did you say, hey, we got something rolling here that's pretty cool? Oh, it goes down in DMs. DMs. I knew you were going to say that. So, basically, I think it was in like November October. 2020. Yeah. Um, everybody was stuck inside. And so, we were online, and we ended up seeing each other talking on Twitter. And yeah. so, that ultimately led us to connecting, and we said, maybe we should do a podcast. Yeah. We didn't know what to do. So, then... We was just talking back and forth soccer, and then I think it was in early January, mm -hmm. Grego from For the Culture United, which is a, a black soccer podcast, too, that focuses on the MLS and yeah. men's soccer, hopped in our DM and was like, hey, do y'all know each other? And then, two, y'all talk. Y'all have a really good correspondence on Twitter. Y'all should do a podcast. <laughs> and we are like, oh, funny you say that. So yeah. that led to him helping us start um, yeah. Shea Butter FC. So. He was a really big help. And so we started in April of 2021. So we're coming up on three years yeah. now. Um, and our first home was actually with a protagonist who's also here today. Yes. So shout out to them, uh, our, our original family. Um, and now we're with the Two Cents and, and for the Culture family. So we've, we've been there for a little over two years now. And yeah, I think we had a rapport. We had a lot in common just in terms of one, how we grew up and then two, how we saw the sport of soccer. And I think more than anything, we saw that there was a need. There was there were voices that weren't being represented. There were voices that weren't being heard. And so, you know, I guess our motto was, well, if you don't see it, be it. Right. right. So, um, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. Like we said, we've tried some things and they didn't work. We tried some things and they have. Right. Uh, but we, we wanted to give a voice to black people in women's soccer in particular. Right. The, those athletes tend to not get the praise, the love. Um, the analysis, everything that they probably deserve. And we knew that domestically. We knew that uh, was true abroad as well. And so we really just wanted to be able to highlight them, but also highlight front office people, fans, other yeah. staff members, anyone who touches the game, coaches, anyone who touches the game. Yeah, supporters, soccer. anybody so, in the community. So yeah. then not just doing soccer analysis, but looking at the culture mm -hmm. and bringing the intersection of black culture and soccer into the conversation. So talking anything from fits merch yeah. um talking about what does it look like to bring your culture to the sport make you make you know connected to it and feel like the soccer is yours so when we talk about american soccer historically it's come from a white perspective right like but, middle class yeah yeah but bringing it to be inclusive to like show so then talking to supporter groups black supporter groups yeah. talking to black fans you know talking about like bringing what does it look like if you bring black music in the form of like chants and stuff into the yeah. to the soccer space um and then talking about like you know anything from you know things going on because like when we watch soccer it's not divorced of us being black like we're black fans mm -hmm. and so all the things that happen whatever's happened politically whatever's happened culturally was hap whatever's happened in the city it all impacts that and then what it plays out as mm -hmm. as with soccer is around the world like you have that but bringing the aspect of culture and talking about it I, we work from the premise that soccer is for everybody, right? Yeah. So yeah. we really want that to be true, right? So how do we, with our actions, with our platform, with our connections, how do we get that to be more true than it has been in the sport of soccer in the United right. States? And so that's the premise that we work from. And so bringing other people to game for us, I think, in particular, bringing black Americans to the game, I think they often think that it's not for them. Right. And it very much is, in our opinion, and some of our best players are black Americans. And so really just having them have multiple connections to the game just go to see a game right see how you like it get the whole experience both knowing the game whatever level you know whether you're a novice you know whether you're there to have a few drinks and hang out with friends or if you really want to start watching it and support um we think it's a great experience and so we try to try to get everybody to go at least once and see see what it's about and help them you know enjoy their first time i'm actually glad that you couldn't see it and you decided to be it uh, i love the way you use that, you know, and I mean, now as you look out right now, as you're running this incredible podcast, Shea Butter FC, you look at the U.S. women's team, so many great black players, you look at the U.S. men's team, so it's time, right? It's time to have our voices heard. Yeah, and that's right. also where we were coming from, I, you know, I, I work in higher ed, I work with a lot of young people, particularly like the age of those players now, um, but I could see it, you know, we could see it three and four years ago, we were right. like, the face of that team is going I mean, to change, yeah. and there's not really people here to meet the need. 
right. when it does and how we cover them. We are going to have to approach all of those things very differently. And you can see it now, both with the men's and the women's team. And obviously, they're the two sort of poster show, you know, poster teams for free soccer in the United States. Obviously, there's other great programs and clubs, but um, they are the face of that, right? They are what we call America and Americans and who represents this country. And so understanding that the face of who represents America is going to change and having people in the space to be able to speak to them, speak to what they're doing, speak to the cultural things that they're bringing to right. the game, some of the issues they might have, have with the game, but also the joy that they play with, the intelligence that they play with making sure we highlight all of those things. The language of soccer is often biased, right? So we talk a lot about pace and power. We talk about all of, all of those things that aren't necessarily positive connotations for black players. And so even breaking those barriers, getting through those you know, stereotypes is big for us right. as well. That's and then from a, like an edu educational lens, mm -hmm. I think we approach, I think the game from education, community building, um, and then what other part am I missing? Education and storytelling. So even from an educational standpoint, talking about a game from our perspective, so bringing like our own vocabulary, you know, talking it in a way where, you know, we talk about the intersection of basketball and soccer, you know, being able to relate that to it, having watch along so people can see and feel the game in a way they never experienced it before. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can do that in person in 2024. Yeah, we did a, um, you know, Sky was here and I, you know, was able to go to Australia, but we had a series of watch-alongs during the World Cup and just yeah. being able to explain the game to people who might. The World Cup's always a great place to start. It's usually when the novice will come right. and watch the yeah. game. And so really breaking that down with our own terminology, but also just explaining the game, which positions do what, right, yeah. what are formations, right. um, what is the, you know, what is the purpose of the game, what is... <laughs> I guess explaining offside is always the thing. Right, right, right. Um, but just explaining all of the rules, but trying to do it in a fun and entertaining way right, that people right. can connect with. So even then we had like basketball players, mm -hmm. professional basketball players yeah. who watched, who actually listened to our podcast and then got into it, like appear on episode or other people within the soccer space, giving them opportunity to talk and watch the game, like whether it be the World Cup or even we've done it for other leagues, like mm -hmm. Liga Mekki Feminil, yeah. um, NWCL or whatever, being able to introduce people to the game so they see it, so they can see, oh, like, the game is cool, and, like, I can talk about it. And it was interesting. So we had people who cover basketball. They used to watch soccer on the low, but they were like, I never heard soccer talked about like this before. And they were like, can I do content? And it's like, yeah, just do it. Yeah. But, like, they saw that, you know, being able to open the door for people to see and feel themselves in the game and be able to watch it. Yeah. So, like, that educational part, also doing soccer school, or we like talk about like yeah the different portions of the game. So like she said, like describing what all sides is, but then positionally what positions are, and then you know how it might compare to a different sport like hockey, tennis, mm -hmm. basketball. Um, and then even from a community building standpoint, you know putting on stuff like tailgates and stuff to get people to see and feel themselves like before a soccer game, so that they are like okay I see people. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can bring that into the stadium to where people can connect and vibe with it. So we are here with two bright lights and beautiful people. They are the faces behind Shea Butter FC. Where can people find that Shea Butter FC? Do you have a website? Do you have Instagram? Yes, what do you got? So we have Shea Butter, it's Shea Butter FC. So it's S H E A Butter B U T T E R F C um, dot com. But then you can f same those. Yeah, Shea Butter FC on Instagram, Twitter, um, and then if you want to find us individually, um, SkyFi Football as an F U T B O L okay. on Twitter, and then who are you? Um, on I'm mostly on Twitter. I get picked on by everybody else about not being great at Instagram, um, but I am Southern Sills on Twitter. Yeah. Southern Sills, spell that for me, will you? Uh, so uh, S O U T H E R N S Y L V S. So oh. yeah, you can you can find me. Awesome. Uh, well, look before we say goodbye. I want to know more about the people behind this. So we'll start with you, Silves. Give me your one-minute elevator speech. Like, where are you from? Where are you doing <laughs> college? That type of thing. Sure. Uh, where you live now? In, okay. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Petersburg, Virginia, which is about 25 minutes south of Richmond. And my very first team and my hometown team is still the Richmond Kickers. That's how I first got introduced to soccer. Um, and then, of course, I'm a child of the 99ers. So uh, that very much got me hook, line, and sinker. Amen. And I um, have been um, up and down the mid-Atlantic region. So I went to school in Delaware, and I ended up moving to Washington State for work for about seven years. And now I live in Los Angeles, uh, California. Uh, so I cover the uh, Seattle rain. We're back now, thankfully, um, to, the old, to the old crest. And I also uh, cover Angel City. 
Wonderful. And oh, that was that. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, Sky, it's on you now. Uh, Give me your elevator speech, please. Um, so, I'm Sky. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I grew up out there, stayed out there. Then I'm an engineer. Um, so, went to school, Georgia Tech. Then went and got uh, master's degrees in engineering um, at Florida State, then University of Miami. Um, She's ended smart. up moving out She's here. She's very smart. Yes. Um, moving out here to California in, what, 2015? And so... I can't, well, let's just say, I make video games. So, uh, okay. <laughs> but um, I got into soccer. Um, I started when I was a little kid, but then played again in high school. Um, and then ended up becoming a goalkeeper because um, Brianna Scurry did it and everybody was scared to dive. <laughs> uh, but I didn't actually fall in love into the game, with the game until I got to Georgia Tech and I watched it with a bunch of people. I think it was watching the World Cup, one of the World Cups. And then I was like, oh, it could be like this. This is, like, fun. And then I got really obsessed and was watching every kind of soccer all the time because um, that's actually one of the most popular sports. Georgia Tech does not have a NCAA team for whatever reason. It makes me mad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the most popular sport at Georgia Tech. Um, and so that's how I got into it. And then I would follow and watch. So I was watching soccer every time. Um, and then, yeah, got into it. Um Actually, Brazil, Marta, yeah. is how I really got into, like, the international side. Um, but then I followed her, watched everything at Teresa, and then wherever she was in the league. So, yeah, we're yeah. big Marta fans. All so. right, that's awesome. I love it. It is Shea Butter FC. Check it out. Sky and Sills. Delighted to be with you. By the way, I'm calling Georgia Tech against Duke women's oh, basketball on Sunday, by the way. That's a good game. Go Carol yeah. I'm, a I'm a Lady Vols fan. Oh, I don't yeah. want to talk about it, but Carol Lawson's got to love her. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I do Georgia a lot Tech. of their games. You and pay for the Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> Sky and <laughs> Sills. <laughs> ShaeButterFC.org. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, we got you on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Pleasure to meet you both and keep up the great work, okay? Thank you thank so you. much for having us, and thank you for all the work you do. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. We hit the training ground with Tree Beckman when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Hoping all of you are fully recovered and rejuvenated and fired up after another great United Soccer Coaches convention. We've got a lot of interviews from the convention, but this one is brand new as we're joined by a regular from the training ground, Teresa Tree Beckman. She's with Tree Roots Culture Consulting LLC. She's with the Growing Leader Speaking Team. She's a true North sports team specialist. She's also a University of Florida adjunct professor. You can learn more about her by going to TreeRootsLLC.com. Tree Beckman is back. Tree, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks, Dean. It's always fun. Yeah, one of the big deals that came out at the same time was the Soccer Journal, and they put in the results of the anonymous survey, and we've been talking about it on the podcast. You've been getting a ton of feedback, ironically, because... The name of the article is called A Call to Stop Weaponizing Student-Athlete Feedback. But more importantly, you wanted to talk about kind of what came out of that survey as it relates to this final article, Tree. And it sounds like a lot of coaches are reaching out to you based on the feedback from the survey. I've been doing this work for eight or nine years after a you know 21-year coaching career. And, and you know, I just put things out into the universe and, and, and in different on different channels with different audiences a lot. This is the thing that I think that I've received the most immediate unsolicited feedback about ever. Just literally random emails. <laughs> like like I had a couple emails that were one sentence. Thank you so much for writing that. I needed that. And I needed to be able to know that I wasn't crazy or wasn't alone. And so that tells me that, you know, I'm hitting, you know, I hit a nerve definitely you know, we've already talked about it before the article was done. You and I had a conversation on this podcast about it. And, and as I, you know, mentioned to you in setting this up, I think it, it warrants another conversation about it now that it's done, but also kind of in response to the, the response I've gotten to it. Okay. So let's hear it. 
why does it merit an, another conversation? What are you learning out of it? What I mean, is it, it pretty much a, a grand salvo that the you know at the end of the day, this athlete feedback stuff can really hurt you? Is that is that kind of what we're hearing? First of all, the byline that didn't show up in the soccer journal that I had kind of advocated should show up. Yeah, I wrote the article, but it was also I was assisted in writing this article by many unnamed NCAA level head and assistant coaches in all sports, all genders. So um, this is a, a kind of a there's a, a uniform way of thinking about this. I've literally never I got to be clear. I never had to endure these student athlete surveys as a coach. So I coached for 21 years up through the division one level and I was lucky in that the universities that I, I was coaching for didn't have these. Um, and they were just kind of coming on the scene pretty, you know, fast and furious. So what I'm writing about is not from my own experience. I haven't been burned by these, but I keep running coaches over and over and over are just, I mean, they're leaving coaching, they're traumatized. And I know I'm not using that word hyperbolically. Like there are coaches who are literally traumatized by, you know, they're getting feedback from their student athletes, you know, face to face, everything's fine. And then they're getting student athlete survey results from their administrator, their boss, and it's not fine. And they're like, what? Like, how can this be? And they, like, in good faith, they're really trying to solicit feedback from the student athletes, but there's so meant, there's so much nuance that goes into that with a generation that's lonelier than any generation before by far and lower trusting than any generation before. And so I think that, I think coaches bear some of the responsibility and we have to tool our student athletes up and we have to make sure that we're receiving feedback in a, in a really um, uh, intentional way. And I really, I, I work hard to help coaches kind of transform how they're thinking about this for sure. Like that's a big part of what I do. But at the same time, even if they're doing everything right, at the best, a student, an anonymous student athlete survey given by a coach's boss to a coach's players is not the best tool for evaluating said coach and said culture. It's just demonstrably not. And I understand the need to make sure that there's an avenue for student athletes to be able to, you know, if a coach is being toxic and is being whatever, like I know that there needs to be an avenue but we really need to rethink that avenue because right now <laughs> it's this feedback's being weaponized and, and student athletes know it. And they're not trying, it's all well-intended. They're just trying to survive, but we got to rethink this big time. And I feel like you said the rapid response feedback is really not working. Can you elaborate on that tree? Yeah, there's an app that I got to be clear. I'm not trying to dog on administrators. I don't, their job is just as complex and, and rapidly changing as our coaches jobs. And so I'm not, I'm not over here trying to like, you know, bust the chops of, of athletics directors, because I, I think that's a really hard job right now too. But I will say, you know, when I'm talking to people that I know in the industry, that are sport administrators or ADs at, at different levels, a lot of times, you know, just with optimism and positivity, they're like, yeah, we have this, you know, we're using the app now, like real response, or I think it's real response is the app. I'm not certain. I think it's either rapid, re it's real response for sure. And, um, and what it is, is basically it's an app and players at any time can go on and anonymously, you know, send a message to the coach's boss about, you know, something that's going on. And, and I, I, again, I, I'm not saying we should shut the door. I think that we, we need our sport administrators to have a more nuanced understanding of what the front lines of coaching at, at the high school club and college level feels like, because right now, generationally, our student athletes, first of all, they're lonely, they're low, they're low in trust and they're hurting and they're fearful. And, and they have the ability to, you know, broadcast every thought and emotion all the time whether that be on social media or with things like this. And so that actually sounds like, oh, well, that's good. We want to get their feedback. We want to know when they're in danger. Of course we do. I'm not advocating to, that we're hiding toxic things. I'm not like, it, it, but the unintended consequences of things like this are twofold. Number one, student athletes, if they have the ability to broadcast every thought and emotion, guess what they have to not do when 
they're super angry or upset about the way a coach said something. Maybe the coach didn't mean to offend them, but they we're we're always going to struggle with that as humans. We're going to, we're going to hurt each other. That's just a given. Um, if they're angry because they don't have the position on the team they want, they have to not do that. And willpower is not an infinite thing. Like, so that actually raises anxiety if they have to not do that. Right. So that's step one. That's the the first unintended consequence of, of real response, but also it hurts trust. I, I don't care how many times a, you know, an AD can say, well, I'm just taking this with a grain of salt. And but they can say that all day long. The, the, the human that is the coach is always going to wonder, is always going to struggle then to tr- trust their athletes. And the student athlete coach relationship is at the center of the student athlete experience and real response and anonymous student athlete surveys done how they're doing, being done in many cases right now can do nothing but hurt. Like, they might not hurt, but that's the only possible way that they, the only direction they can take that relationship in is a one of lower trust and they're already low trust. So I, I know that it's hard for ADs to wrap their head around the perspective here that how, how negative these things can be. Um, but, but they are, they're, they're just a really dangerous tool and I mean, I might be hearing from real response to companies soon. I, I, I don't think they're bad people. I just think there has to be more thought and more relationship. You cannot have student athlete surveys and real response apps take the place of relationships. So if I'm a sport administration administrator, I'm getting close to the team. I'm making sure that I have a relationship with the entire staff, not just the head coach. I'm making sure that I'm present and I know that you have a lot on your plate, but we've got to find a way to let relationship and connection be the way that we open those doors for feedback, not a, an app. And there are places where anonymous feedback is okay, but you're basically saying, I'm this coach's boss and I'm going to ask, <laughs> I'm going to ask the people that the coach is leading to do the evaluation for me because I'm not there every day. That's what's happening. Well said. And you know, since we're about solutions, you um, actually end your article. I want to remind everybody about you know habits for creating a healthy feedback loop. And you've got a couple. You say make it ongoing. Think drip, drip, drip. Gather feedback from your athletes and staff in short, consistent, and formal and organic bursts daily. And then you say rather than just saying you're open to feedback, model it. Yeah. Well, I got to start out by saying this. The person with most power in any relationship is the one that's most responsible for the health of the feedback in that relationship. That's just the way it is. And even if you're trying to be power with and collaborative with your student athletes, you still have more power as a coach. So you've got to make sure that when you're receiving feedback, you're, hey, thank you. That was really uncomfortable for you to say to me, boy, I appreciate your courage because it's going to make me a better coach. Even if you disagree with the feedback, you've got to be able to receive it in a way that encourages it, encourages and incentivizes more feedback. And then, yeah, it should be ongoing. If you're waiting for your end of the season meeting to get feedback from your student athletes, well, first of all, that's too late. <laughs> like that's one tool, but it shouldn't be, you know, um, Becky Burley, um, you know, the, the former university of Florida coach, who is just a legend, you know, she, she talked about how she had weekly meetings and she had them when she didn't need them. So anytime she called her student athletes into the office, it wasn't because they were in trouble. Right. And I think you have to do things to make sure that that feedback and an open conversation are a part of your day-to-day. If you're only soliciting feedback when there's trouble, boy, that you're not incentivizing anybody to come to you when there's hard stuff going on. And then you have to make sure that you're applauding and lifting up the messenger, not, you know, not biting the messenger's head off. There's just so many ways to do it, but I think organic and less formal ways are always going to be more impactful when it, especially when it comes to feedback, when there's a power dynamic. Always great to spend time with Tree Beckman, keeping it real with our last question here. She's been a lifelong Detroit Lions fan. The Lions were that close to making it to the Super Bowl. Tree, obviously, Dan Campbell's getting feedback. You know, even though he may not want it, and I thought you had a good take on Coach Campbell that you like him a lot, and I don't think you had any problems with him going for it on fourth down. But with that kind of just happen in tree. Let's get a hot take from you on your lions. 
man, I could cry. Like literally I, I, I've been crying after wins and losses late in the season. I'm not kidding. I'm <laughs> lifelong, lifelong Lions fan. Um, I love everything about how Dan Campbell is approaching, you know, restoring the roar. <laughs> if you're a Lions fan, you know, that that's the, that's the tagline, you know, and it's through grit and he's very clear. He's never going to apologize. And he, I'm, Honestly, he's changed the NFL. You see a lot of people going for it on fourth down now, and it's because of Dan Campbell. And and this is not the first time that a decision like that has not gone the way. And he does, he doesn't shy down, shy back from it or anything. He takes it. He's like, nope, I made this decision. He's consistent as all get out in his vision for the team, starting with his very first press conference. He promised us that he would bring this team here. He did the whole biting the kneecaps. He's not afraid to be authentically who he is. And then he's not afraid to stand up and take it and take full responsibility without qualification when it doesn't go the way that, that we all wanted it to. And man, you just got to respect a guy like that. I just love everything about, you know, how, how he's doing what he's doing. And it, I've never been sadder right now than ever, but more proud to, to be a fan of, of a team that we've never been good. And I, we, we were still like the fans have been rabid. I remember going to Thanksgiving game days or day games when it was in the Pontiac Silverdome, 80,000 yeah. seats, we were bad. And we still filled the stadium. Like yeah. Lions fans are like through and through like there. And so I just wanted so bad for, for everybody to be able to go to the big show. And, and it was pretty heartbreaking last night, but yeah, he takes it. He stands up to it. He just takes full responsibility. I love it. Before we sign off, I got to tell you, um, just for your coaches, I have a February 8th. If people are interested, I'm actually going to do a free 60 minute webinar basically is just going to be a zoom call and it's going to be all about feedback skills. So I can elaborate on, you know, some of the actual practices. And if you're interested, they can just email me at tree at treeroutsllc.com and I'll, you know, I'll get them into the, into the, I'll get them a link. And if they can't make it at 11 o'clock Eastern on February 8th, then I can send the recording out to whoever wants it. That is brilliant. So that is the February 8th. And what time is that? And what's the name of it? 11 a.m. Eastern, and uh, it's just the feedback skills. I'm sure I, I officially named it, but I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> awesome. 11 a.m. Eastern time, February 8th. Tree Beckman, part of the training ground. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Dean. When we return for the third week in a row, we spend time with a big timer from the USL. Two weeks ago, Amanda Vanderbort. Last week, Dr. Chris Busey. This week, Liam O'Connell. Liam O'Connell on the bounce. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve level one accreditation as an applied performance analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the master course schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Fantastic evergreen material as part of media role at the 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim, California, meeting some new people and uh, some old friends as well. You know that uh, I love the USL, been proud to be the voice of the Carolina Railhawks and North Carolina FC since they came in in 2007. They left for just a second and then they're right back and now we're headed into the USL championship. So we're joined by Liam O'Connell, who's the technical director for USL. He's been in that job three years, five years total for the USL. He's been on the podcast before. He is He's a good man. Liam O'Connell, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Great to podcast. be back, Dean. Great to be back. USL is popping. It is banging. It is everything. Men's side, women's side. I mean, off the charts. I'm not embellishing here, which I've been known to do a little <laughs> bit. It's incredible. Like, I mean, how proud are you to work for the USL? I mean, it fuels me every day, honestly. Like, the idea that we are building and helping grow the game in more and more communities every week. I can't, walk, I can't walk through this event without someone saying, I've been meaning to find the way to get into USL. So it's incredible, we're excited. I think there's no other entity in American soccer that is invested in operating in every corner of the game. 
men's, women's, boys, girls, youth, amateur, pro. We're the only entity and stakeholder in American soccer operating in that whole ecosystem. Yep. So regardless of the alphabet soup of membership and leagues and all those sorts of things, like we know independently we are going to make a massive impact on the growth of American soccer. And that's it's hard not to be passionate and have that fuel you. You know what I mean? Incredible. Let's look, you don't have to be exact here because it's pretty fluid, but Give me a rough idea, numbers-wise, of how many teams in USL Championship, USL League One, League Two, W League, and then, you know, Amanda did a good job breaking down the Super League. Got approximate numbers for me? Yeah, so, like, this year, expect right around 24 D2 men's pro clubs in the championship, around 14, 15 League One clubs in D3 men's pro soccer. Keeping going down the men's pathway, then we'll have League Two, which is going to be probably clearing over 130 men's amateur clubs. Okay. Um, on the women's side, we'll have approximately 80 to 85 women's amateur teams in just the third year of the W League already. Uh, and then the good thing is now we have the academy infrastructure that kind of, again, is the player development model for all those men's and women's senior team leagues, right? So on the men's, on the boys' side, we're probably going to have 110 to 120 U20 USL Academy boys' programs this year. Wow. And 18-plus divisions, which means we're limiting travel demand, letting clubs spend their money on their training environment not hotels and flights yeah for, for youth games effectively yep. right and then on the girls side we actually got the girls side usl academy launched last year to really institute this reserve team pathway-based experience to your local w league program and we had approximately like 30 w league programs piloting that u20 concept and again showing that it's not to compete with ecnl or gal it's to say hey some of those girls especially those that already have their college scholarship locked up by their junior year senior year it's preparing them to compete in women's football, right? By playing with and against college players and former pros in this hybrid U20-ish model. Yeah. So something, and again, that scale is going to keep growing, especially in the next year and a half leading up into and through the World Cup. Yeah. This is going to sound like a puff your chest out moment, but, you know, there was a time, Liam, where USL kind of said, you know, hey, yeah, we're over here. Like, we just got our little niche. But... Yep. Now the USL says, we're here, we matter. 100%, 100%. And, but I think the key, though, Dean, is it's not us puffing our chest. It's our clubs collectively saying USL fits who we are as a community and a club. And I think it's that rising tides raise all ships sort mm. of ethos. You know, yeah. like we don't need to posture because all we have to do is to showcase studies of the clubs doing exactly what we're preaching and what our philosophy is. So that's that's the motivating factor for me. And it's great to meet, see a lot of our directors and leaders of those clubs and those communities at events like this. Great answer. We've done this before, but the audience of the United Soccer Coaches podcast is really phenomenal now, mm-hmm. really proud of it. Uh, almost 10 years, never missed a show, 52 weeks a year, you know, like Incredible. really building. So I want to remind people who Liam O'Connell is. Tell me your story a little bit. Where'd you grow up and uh, where'd you play? Where'd nice. you go to college? Uh, that type of thing. Yeah, so grew up in Massachusetts, Western Mass. I think that's probably why USL is near and dear to my heart because I was in middle of nowhere, New England, quote unquote. Okay. <laughs> right? So uh, I fell in love with the game as a player, as most of us do. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL twice before my 17th birthday and okay. proceeded to have eight total knee surgeries. Wow. So needless to say, I think I had to find a different route outside of playing to okay. stay in the game. Yes, sir. So at a very young age, I started working in MLS for the Revolution when I was only 17, still in high school. Wow. I started you know, pursuing a sport management degree, my coaching licenses, and really, like, have been working on just who I can be off the field as, as a coach, as an administrator, and as a leader within the game. So that, that took me uh, to college in upstate New York, to SUNY Cortland, which has a phenomenal sport management program. I interned with FC Tucson after spending, you know, four years working for the Revs on the side during college. So I got to have FC Tucson, like, run their MLS preseason. I prepped them for their first PDL season in, Le- in USL, like, Big time. which is a weird full circle moment now, 10 years later. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then from there, I was at Sporting Kansas City for about seven years, and I helped build their academy affiliate program. And really, like, that's why I'm, I think, good at what I do in this role at USL is I lived that role of being a pro rep- club representative and finding ways to create mutually beneficial relationships with the youth soccer counterparts in that city but also the greater midwest region so that's really what i'm doing here right is we're, we're finding like-minded soccer people who say hey, let's work together for the greater good of this community wow so with that as your background you know i immediately think of peter vermees but like who are 
people that kind of shaped uh, who you are now in your role as technical director for USL? It's a great question, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, credit has to go to Peter and to, and to all of the staff at Sporting Kansas City. Countless coaches. I, I had the luxury of being around Sporting as it evolved as the National Development Center franchise. came to the town, yeah. right? Like, I was there through it all from 2012 to 2018. So invaluable experiences through all the coaches. It would be remiss to not um, hit on them all. I think Gareth Smith is another guy I want to give a big shout-out to. I'm not sure how familiar you are with him, Dean, but he's uh, he was my client at first running Sporting Iowa. Okay. And then as he transitioned to other roles, he eventually uh, became more of a mentor. He's my B-license instructor. Nice. Um, and I think we see the game the same way in terms of how can we get American soccer to ultimately – reach its potential um and then look over the past five years there's a reason why i'm just hit five years i believe in what usl is doing and i've had a lot of good mentors and leaders like brett louis who's now the president of rhode island fc getting ready to launch their first year in the championship this year as they build a downtown stadium in providence rhode island right like that's awesome and then also got to give a lot of credit to the papadakis family that oversee usl a lot of people probably thought it was crazy to launch more leagues during the pandemic yeah Right? Yeah. They were visionary. Yeah. And they could see where the game was going and that USL could be this bigger player in the growth of American soccer. So I wouldn't be have the luxury of have, having this conversation with you if it wasn't ultimately for them giving me this opportunity, you know? Where do you think United Soccer Coaches fits into, you know, how you guys do things and that type of thing? How do you, you know, best use United Soccer Coaches and what they offer? Well, hopefully the meeting yesterday with Rob Herringer, the new director of coaching at Will, is, is the first step towards that um, continued dialogue. Um, I look at it the same way that we're consulting our clubs. We want to lead by example and try to collaborate, right? So this year we actually have 10 staff members from the league office here at the convention. We've got a meeting space that anyone is welcome to come to today or tomorrow to learn about USL and how their club or community could be supported by USL on one of these platforms. Um, and, yeah, so ultimately, like, that's, I think, what, what motivates me about being here is getting to engage with so many people across the ecosystem and educate them on what we're trying to do. So to that point with United Soccer Coaches, why don't we work together? Right? So me and Rob are saying, well, if you're doing a, a, a match analysis certificate, why don't we do it at a USL club using USL game film? And you have the assistant coach of, let's say, the Richmond Kickers literally walk through, here's how I do match in opposition analysis for this real pro team. Let's go. Right? Like, why don't we do a talent identification license or certificate that's maybe a little bit more digestible? And then some of the, you know, licensing that U.S. Soccer provides, which we're incredibly supportive and a partner in that as well. I just ran a C license last week as an educator for USL players and coaches. Awesome. Right? Yeah. But I think we also want to address, like, there's a reason why this is the biggest soccer coaching convention in the world. Because USC is doing phenomenal work for the coaching community. You had Chris Busey on the call earlier, yeah. right? Or on, the, on yeah. the line earlier. Phenomenal colleague, phenomenal human being. And, you know, that was a big part of our conversation yesterday. Is like USC is doing phenomenal work at um, reaching out with really intentionality to specific pockets of our coaching community, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be race-based, race ethnic-based, or stuff like veterans, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, all of our clubs have those subsects of coaching communities within their little umbrella and catchment area, right? So why don't we work together at servicing and engaging that coaching membership? And I think it can be mutually beneficial. So our hope is that you're going to see our presence increase at events like this over time and that we'll have an opportunity to collaborate, again, to grow the game together. Non-exclusive, by the way, because yeah, yeah, you want to remain that way. Yeah, absolutely. One more question before I, I finish with a, a ridiculous but fun one that I think <laughs> I think you'll enjoy. Just simply put, Liam O'Connell, what else is on your mind that you want people to know about uh, USL? You don't have to force anything, but is there anything else uh, you definitely want us to know that's going on, sir? The best part is the rate at which we're growing and the number of communities that we're going into. It's kind of going to solve itself at that point, I think. You know, like we are... We have the potential to become one of the biggest um, producers of talent globally. Not France, not Brazil, the U.S. over time. And yeah. I think if we can get our pathways domestically right and build as many pathways as possible, then it's going to be that much easier for Europe to mine America for talent and for us to provide opportunities for kids and even coaches to pursue their dream of playing and coaching and competing at the highest level of the game. 
why not grow up in El Paso like Ricardo Pepe did and feel like I can stay at home, not have to leave home to go become a World Cup player and a Champions League player? And why can't that also apply to coaches? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think that's that's the big thing I'm excited for is the amount of opportunity, you know, the Super League launching next year that Amanda obviously spoke about, like more jobs for women to work in the game on and off the field. That's a win. Yeah. Regardless yeah. if there is other leagues in the space or not. It's a good thing. That's awesome. I'm glad I asked that question <laughs> in a way where I knew you would be able to provide a great answer uh, th this last one's going to seem self-serving but uh, i'm going to ask it anyway um which isn't really my style but this will be my 18th season north carolina fc we're mm -hmm. back in the usl championship we won usl league one did. which uh call a promotion means that yeah <laughs> another ring for me as i've got uh, a couple with the courage and now one with uh north carolina fc um we were lucky enough to be grandfathered in where I can stay as the play-by-play -play guy, even though you have different relationships. Are people rolling their eyes when the How About North Carolina FC is, uh, you know, coming out, Liam, or uh, are we good? I mean, phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> huge credit, huge credit to guys like John Bradford, right, and Kurt Johnson, those that built the foundation of this. Like, you guys are becoming a flagship club in American soccer, not nice. just USL, right? And again, that's the vision that I have for USL is that there's a men's pathway and a women's pathway. I understand that NWSL is their capstone today, but underneath it is a W League and USL Academy program that also supports an ECNL you side. Know it. it all can work together. They don't. We can all collaborate to design these pathways that ultimately are in the best interest of the player and the coach. And I think you're going to see North Carolina FC prove that pathway is a very real one even more. So you're not turning years. the volume down when they score a goal and I'm going crazy up there? <laughs> Absolutely not. Carolina Are you kidding MC? me? Uh, Are you kidding me? I record it half the time. <laughs> I love saying it. Liam O'Connell. Dude, simply put, man, you're a cool cat, dude. Thanks, Dean. You too. I appreciate the time as always. Yeah, always a pleasure. Good luck to you, man. Thanks Thank for being you, on. Appreciate it. Always want to thank Lisa Payton from the USL for getting us these great leaders of the USL, including Liam O'Connell. want to thank our other guests as well. Definitely want to thank Brandon Milburn, who's moving on. Good luck, Brandon Milburn, in your new job. And need to thank Dylan now, who will be spearheading from the United Soccer Coaches side and Colin Thrash on my side, the producer. And of course, I want to thank all of you, the great members of United Soccer Coaches. In fact, for each and every one of you, I'm Dean Linky. See you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.